Hey everyone, welcome to the show. Another one that's back out on the road. I'm currently working on my break, getting tipped. I'm in uh, in Oxford today instead of Scotland. I've gone down instead of up, but uh, it might as well be Scotland. It's just as long as we've get the words out. Just as long of a drive. That's what I wanted to say, but for some reason my words are getting jumbled up. I'm getting tongue tied. She sells seashells by the seashore. That's about the only one I can do. Peter Piper, Peter Piper, Piper, la 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 la. Yeah, they, they muddle up. What is wrong with me? They muddle up. They muddle up. Yeah, so lots of driving. It seems like all I've been doing lately are long, long hauls. I, uh, I swear my ass is going flat from sitting down for so long. I'm in this unit then, I mean, it doesn't really help. They have the uh, the new Mercedes Actros. The uh, the the ones with no mirrors. You see them, they've got, they've got monitors inside the cabs and little cameras stinging out, sticking out the outside with uh, on stalks. I've got a, <laughs> I've got a site open on my Chrome, on my Google Chrome that says, oh, it's the, the truck of the year for 2020. And I'm not impressed. I'm really not. I mean, the seats, for example, like I say, they're a year old. And they are completely flat. All the cushion that's supposed to be under your ass is hanging over the edges. So you're pretty much sat on plastic. It's, it's a very hard seat to be sat on, especially for four hours at a time. And uh, the foam, it's falling over the side of the chair and it's switching on all the switches such as your heated seat and stuff. So you could be half an hour down the road and thinking, why the hell is my ass on fire? The, the uh, heated seat switch is on full blast. So, those heated seats, man, as well, they're, uh, they're less about warming my backside up and more about soothing my back. Soothing the knots out of my back. It's the one thing with driving, I've noticed, the, the, the knots, I, I can't describe how bad they are. I'm like a made of, it's like a made up of bubble wrap. I get the foam roller out and just start rolling and I'm just popping all over the place. So, but yeah, the uh, the units themselves, they're, they're not the best. There's no way they're the truck of the year. The uh, the turning circles are a bit iffy, you know, it's 50-50 as well. I'm going to make a bend or not when I put the steering wheel on full lock. The, uh, the cameras themselves, they don't really show a true image, so you can't tell if you perfectly straight when you're going backwards I just end up sticking my head out the window it's much easier much much easier than actually trying to judge it off the mirrors and uh, they've got this built-in system this radar system and it's supposed to what do they call it self-drive 2.0 or something like that the the, the truck itself isn't self-driving it's it's got the cruise control and it'll pick up what's in front of you and how fast it's going and if you come up to a roundabout, it should slow you down for the roundabout and take you around without you having to touch any of your pedals. All you need to do is steer. But uh, I've got a few problems with these things that, you know, I'm never, never going to use those features again. I've had one when I was approaching a roundabout at full speed and the system flashed up just like it's supposed to. Yep, there's a roundabout ahead. We're going to slow you down in five, four, three, two. And then it doesn't slow me down. I go into the roundabout at full speed. 28 tons of uh, metal traveling at 30 mile an hour 
and I'm having to, to slam on to avoid death. <laughs> they, they are horrific. I've had a car in front of me in slow moving traffic, cones to the left, a uh, stone ballard to the right. Sounds like one of those beautiful South songs. Uh, cones to the right of me, ballards to the left, here I am stuck in the middle with a stupid slow moving traffic in front. Anyway, it's it's got this car in front, it's saying it's 15 mile an hour and it adjusts my cruise control to match the car in front. But for some reason it loses track of the car and the wagon starts trying to speed up to 55 mile an hour. Just out of nowhere. I nearly run the poor woman off the road, it was, it was a close call. So, <laughs> I won't use that again. And I've been using cruise control, flying down the motorway, nothing else on the motorway but me. And for some reason it flashes up saying collision warning. Completely out of nowhere, nothing nothing anywhere. And it slams on the brakes, 15 mile an hour it drops before I manage to stop it. Now if anything was driving up the back of me, that would have been a crash. That would have been done. So that's not good. It's picked up parked cars, saying that they're on the road in front of me and it's slammed on the brakes. It's picked up pedestrians walking down the road and saying that they are, well, walking down the pavement and saying that they are a vehicle in the road. Flashes up saying there's a car ahead doing three mile an hour and then it slams on the brakes, doing 30 to three. <laughs> Honestly, I, I do not trust any of these safety features that this thing has. I turn as much of them off as possible. And I get the, uh, I get the, the, driver trainer saying to me like well what if you have a crash the police will say why wasn't that safety feature turned on half of these safety features are going to cause a crash i mean christ the amount of close calls i've had because the wagons thought it saw something when it hasn't oh you know it's picked something up it's been going down a road a 40 mile an hour road and one of the things that they're supposed to do is they pick up um street signs and it'll say like this is a 20 mile an hour zone this is a 40 mile an hour zone it it can adjust your speed without you having to touch it so you know you're going from a 30 to a 40 it'll see the 40 and it'll slow you up uh, slow you up speed you up to 40 miles an hour now you're uh, you're driving down a road and there's a side street which is 20 mile an hour it could pick up those signs on the side street it's done it to me once or twice and it started slowing me down to 20 mile an hour once I hit that side street. But I'm not on that road, you know, and you're thinking, what the hell's going on here? They're, they're not the best. I really wouldn't trust any of these radar systems. But I've seen some really cool stuff though about the Tesla cars. I've seen them doing some really good uh, self-driving skills. Like, you know, they're staying in lane and you're not, having, you're not having to touch the wheel at all. You know, it's, it's quite frightening in a way, especially when I see how buggy this, uh, Mercedes Actros unit is. I mean, this is terrifying. I couldn't imagine leaving this up to uh, to make its own mind up about what's on the road in front of me. It's uh, it really is bad. I just can't understand why that site was saying it was a uh, truck of the year. You know, what? I'm going to find it actually. I've got it saved in my uh, Chrome Chrome tabs. I've got so many of these things open. I really do. I've got uh, where are we? Here we go. 15 reasons the Mercedes-Benz Actros is the 2020 International Truck of the Year. <sighs> not in my book, it's not. 15, the multimedia cockpit. Now that, I will say that is the one good thing about this unit. It's got uh, an excellent 
Bluetooth and entertainment device system in here. I say entertainment, it's like, you know, like, <laughs> like I've got shows going on and all kinds. I don't, there's nothing. It, it's uh, got a touchscreen sat nav, touchscreen panel. Got a sat nav, you've got Bluetooth, um, you hook your phone up to it. So I get most of my, listen to most of my podcasts through that and I listen to uh, audio books. Um, but I've never found one better in another unit. The 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 really really is intuitive, very very quick and easy. So yeah, I'll agree with that one. But uh, the mirror cams instead of the exterior mirrors, then mirror cams. Let me tell you something now. If you see a, a wagon on the road and it's got mirror cams and it's raining, get out of the way of that truck. Get just get past it because a couple of raindrops on those cameras and the whole monitor goes blurry you cannot see if anything's past you you can't see if anything's around you especially at night when everybody's headlights are on and they're lighting up those little water droplets you just can't tell where anybody is on the road i've had it where i've moved over to lane two of the motorway of a three-lane motorway to overtake someone in lane one and when i've looked at my left side mirror to move back across the mirror is just completely watered over it's like i'm underwater and i cannot tell whether i'm past that car or not and i just get stuck in the middle lane i was stuck in that middle lane lane two for 15 minutes one day just could not get out of it just because of the uh, the water droplets so they, they are terrifying i mean it's bad enough trying to reverse but they are terrifying um Offers partially automated driving with active drive assist. Well, you know, I've, I've gone on about that, how it's picking up things that's not really there. Fifth generation active brake assist. Oh, yes, that's that's brilliant, that one. That's the kind of thing that brakes on a, an open motorway saying you're uh, you're about to crash into something. <laughs> Number 11. Comes with further improved side guard assist. Uh, side guard assist. What the hell is that one? Cornering assistance system. Oh, that, that I suppose that's the uh, the thing which kills all your power if you go around a corner too fast. That's uh, that's bad. Kind of want to lean into these corners a little bit sometimes, but the forward-looking pre predictive powertrain control (PPC). So that the powertrain control. That's number number ten on the list of fifteen. That's supposed to pick up the terrain ahead of you, the hills and and stuff like that. And it's supposed to slow you down as you get to the top of a hill, let you coast over the top of it and coast down the other side. You know, let, let gravity do the work for you. But it'll slow you down far too much in my opinion. I've been going up a hill before and before I've got to the top, it's cut out and it's just let me roll to the top. And before it kicks up again, I'm doing 45 miles an hour and a... 70 mile an hour motorway, you know, it's really under speed So it's for my money. It's just not worth I mean you can change the system you can change the settings, but if you leave it as it is it, it's it's no good. It's dangerous the um, The thing you can change it to is though so it'll slow down to one mile an hour going uphill and Then you can ch change it as you're going over the top that it won't slow down at all. It'll just uh just keep going basically so it's good that you can change it but the the standard settings where it just wants you to coast it slows down far too much 
so its cruise control system can be used on winding arterial routes so yeah like i said about the uh, the roundabout so it's going to slow you down for the roundabout it'll also do that for bends like if you've got bends in the road really sharp bends it'll see them and it'll slow you down but the thing is it doesn't do it for every bend that i've seen so there's a good chance you're going to go flying into those bends far too fast expecting the wagon to slow down for you and it ju it's just not going to <laughs> uh bright alloy wheels probably on the uh the sportier versions but we've got the the bog standard commercial versions <laughs> no alloy wheels on this um standard uh, standard arctic wheels on this one roof mounted horns yeah we don't have them on ours either they're uh, also an extra has illuminated grill yep no we don't have the illuminated grills either that's another extra 7% lower consumption than its predecessor. It probably has. It's got uh, the, the whole point of getting rid of the, the mirrors and putting in the, the cameras was to sort out wind wind drag. And that'll uh, make your fuel consumption go up. So it'll go down. 7% lower. I don't think it's worth it for, the, for how dangerous those camera mirrors are. One of the first vehicles, number four, one of the first vehicles on the market with engines that meet the requirements of Euro 4 as standard. Uh, oh, emissions, yeah. Oh, I can't argue with that, it probably does. This engine's so underpowered. <laughs> you could have an empty trailer on the back or it could just be the unit itself. And you'll see somebody fully loaded next to you in like a Volvo or something and you both put your foot down at the same time to get moving and that Volvo will leave you in its dust. The, the Mercs just do not take off. Number three, it is simple, safe, and almost effortless to drive and steer. Uh, not in my, not in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I, I, some of ours, we've got a point where we fuel up, and you have to put a full lock on and jackknife the trailer and, and swing it all around. And it's hit and miss depending on what unit you're in as to whether you're actually going to make the bend or not. You'll make it 100% of the time in like a Volvo or a Renault, but in the actual Mercs, it's, it's hit and miss as whether you can actually make the uh, the turning circle. <laughs> uh, it has freely selectable frame overhangs for better body mounting ability. I wonder if that means all the furrings and stuff. The uh, the body connection, superior body mountability, truck retrieves this. I don't know what it, I think it's on about the uh, the fairings on the side, like all the, the bits and um, pieces. Um, it's probably a good thing that it is easy to to fit body mounting parts onto it because the bits that we have keep falling off. Uh, you know, I'm not going to put it down to uh, to poor craftsmanship. I'm pretty sure some of our drivers are, are crashing into things that you can see like scrapes on on the bonnet, bonnets and stuff, but. There's bits down the side of the panels where they're just falling off. The, what I believe it one of the causes is, is that when the wind catches the door frame, it swings the door open and it bends the hinges and the hinges are hitting this, uh, this mounting, this body panelling and it's pushing them out of place. So when you try and open the door again, your body panelling's in the way. So... Sorry about this, folks. I'm just, uh, it's one of the other 
bugbears about these new units because they've no mirrors. The uh, the cameras switch off, so when you're on a bay, you've got need to keep getting up and seeing whether you've got a red light or a green light. <laughs> you can't just sit there. It's uh, I keep meaning to get like a mirror with a little sucker on and uh, sticking it to the window, so I don't need to keep turning the camera mirrors on. Here we go, number one. The number one reason why it's the 2020 truck of the year. It was specifically designed to meet the requirements of payload sensitive sectors. Uh, possibly. Possibly. I don't know. The one thing I could say about these is that I know for certain, for especially from the, um, the 69 plates, which is the one that I've got, the, uh, they break down a lot. We've got an awful lot of them off the road. There's uh, a company called Maritime, and I believe that they've purchased a spur fleet for their fleet. Just so when their units break down, they've got another one spur to uh, to replace it with, because they're breaking down that often. They really are bad. Oh, yep. I've got a green light now. Uh... <laughs> I'm going to pause this, I'm going to get myself sorted out, and I will be right back with the magic of editing. See you soon. And we're back, how about that? Magic. Sorry, but I genuinely thought that I'd have uh, got this thing smashed out before the jumps on the back of me there, but... Uh, <laughs> on the ball tonight, apparently. Um, yeah, it doesn't have to take the wind out your sails when you do this. <laughs> yeah, I'd, sorry as well today. I mean, the truck's been uh, the truck. The truck. Look, I'm already on it. The uh, the podcast's been a bit uh, truck heavy, a bit bit uh, work heavy, heavy goods talk. Um, you know, a lot of people probably don't care about that, but <laughs> I just had to get the rant out there. I just had to talk about this stupid thing that I'm sat in. It's making me ass go numb and me eyes go funny with all these screens. Um, you know, it's generally, genuinely worth saying as well. Like, if you're near one of these things, just get out of the way. Just, uh, just give it space. They're, they're not safe to be around. They're really not. Um, yeah. I was just having a look at what else was open on my Google Chrome list. All these, these articles that I've got saved open, like, and, uh, for all kinds, all kinds of poems and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> stuff. I don't even know what this is about. This uh, the Times article. I saved it like because it, it happened around about the start of COVID. And um, <laughs> from the Times, they want you to pay to read the full article, and I'm not doing that. It's. Uh, the title is Ultra Masculine Self Help Gurus Gurus are no use in this crisis. Let's celebrate! And uh, the guy who's wrote the article, he, uh, well, to be honest with you, he looks like a wet paper towel. It looks like if you poke him hard enough, your finger's going to go right through. You know, he's trying to stand up by himself. He's just going to fold. And uh, they've got an illustration here of a, a big muscular guy, bearded muscles. Where it's got this. Uh, <laughs> beta male looking individual sat on his back in a, a yoga position legs crossed hands to the side and he's, he's just dominating this this alpha male type character who uh you know he's uh <laughs> what 
what's it say? You got a little taste of the article and it wants you to, uh, to pay to read on. So we're saying like a year ago in the distant time when people could touch each other and Rivita was a snack, not Lou paper replacement service. The self-help business had taken an alarming turn. Normal people had grown bored of listening to other normal people dispense Gentile life advice. Suddenly the gurus on the bestseller list all had beards and special forces training because if you're an accountant from St. Albans, you definitely want lessons from a man who can kill another man with a cornetto while carrying his own leg over the Alps. Stay hard. <laughs> Mercifully, the ultra-masculine approach to life has, has struggled in recent weeks. You can't punch a virus in the face or beat it in an arm wrestle. So the unhealthy mashup of... And then continue reading. Flash sale ends soon. Yeah, it gets stuffed. The thing that I looked at this and I thought, well, that's just silly. Is... Uh, look, the, the self-help gurus, they're all saying the same thing. They're all saying the same thing. And it's basically to just own own it you know own up to to your mistakes own up to everything uh, clean your room sort out your mess you know it's uh, get your life in order you got uh, got the likes of jocko willink now if this advice doesn't suit this pandemic i don't know what is you know he's saying so you're tired good so you you feel like you can't go on good do it anyway you know it, it's just, just put one foot in front of the other keep moving forward how does that not fit the, the virus how does that not fit the, the covid pandemic everybody is struggling everybody and he says it's in that adversity where you find you've got more where you can do more we can be more why does that not fit the narrative? Why is that no help? It's useless in this crisis. This is perfect use to me. I mean, it's it fits the bill perfectly. You know, it, there's all kinds. It's like uh, the John Peterson type. I imagine that's what he's talking about there. And he's talking about um, one of the things John says is like, sort out your own life before you go trying to fix other people's. Um, it's an age-old saying, it's a Buddhist Buddhist saying, where you, you tend to the garden, you can touch, you want to change the world, start with yours, start with your life, you know, improve relationships with your parents, what are you doing, trying to change people's ideas of climate change, what are you, what are you doing fighting climate change when you haven't called your mum in a month, you know, get on the phone and go and speak to your mum, <laughs> you know, Convince her to turn a light switch off now and again. That TV that's on standby, Mum. Maybe, maybe you should uh, turn that off if you're not actually watching it. Because that's standby. That's costing energy, you know. That's melting the icebergs. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, there you go. There's, there's one step closer to saving the planet. You know. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. I just thought, I'll save this. It's funny. The, uh... Self-help gurus. No use in this crisis. I know what this came about from, though. Around about this time, there's a, an ex-SAS soldier, pretty famous in the UK, called Aunt, Aunt Middleton. And he came out saying that he's not going to be afraid of the virus, that he's going to carry on as normal. 
and everybody went nuts. <gasps> How could you? You're going to kill people. You know, you, you might die yourself. All, all this outrage, your typical outrage that you see now from uh, from people who aren't taking the, the virus seriously. They're, uh, he just got slated for it and he's... I don't know whether he admitted an apology to it or what, but... That's that's what this came about from, I think. He he said something that went against the mainstream. And this this individual here, this wet paper towel, leapt at it. How uh, you know I don't know. I'm getting off this. I'm getting off this. <laughs> it's driving me mad. The next one over, new photos of Robert Patterson shows his lean physique for the Batman. I don't think Batman should be lean, to be honest with you. I think Batman should be a gorilla. He should be a gigantic dude who can just walk over anybody that's in his path. That's that's the whole point of it, isn't it? He's not supposed to be... Uh, he's not supposed to look like... Uh, he does a little bit of yoga here and there, you know. Does a... A little bit of Pilates. He's supposed to look like a meathead. He's supposed to he's supposed to look like he could squash you. He's uh, <laughs> he does. He looks like a normal guy. I can't understand how we're going to look at this. Going to look at this Batman, this Robert Patterson Batman, and see him as any kind of imposing figure. I'm not going to rag on it too much because I've not seen too much about it. I've seen like the trailer, but I wasn't wholly impressed with the trailer to be honest with you I'm like really really yeah it doesn't it doesn't really sit well with me the uh, the Robert Patterson Batman it just doesn't seem he needs to be bigger he needs to be somebody like um, well Ben Affleck's got the build a little bit to be fair I know everybody rags on Batfleck but uh, he has got the build you can't deny that he's, he's got the the height like six foot four in real life, I think, and he's, uh, he's certainly got the the bulk. He's shown that with the, his role in the town, and when he played Batman himself, <laughs> he certainly looked like he fit the bill. I think the only trouble they've had really is just with the writing. They can't seem to find good writers for these DC movies, or they're getting good writers, and the studio's just getting too involved. They're, they're desperate for it to become the next Marvel. Um, Here's one. Um, hidden geometric patterns discovered at Turkey, Turkey's Gobekli Tepe site. I've got a deep, deep fascination with uh, these old temples, these old structures. Gobekli Tepe, if you don't know, is a... Uh, I don't know what you call it. It's a site. It's a big site that was discovered in the Turkish-Syrian border. About, and it's, uh, it was purposefully buried around about 10,000 years ago. And the big big thing about this was it, we didn't realise that our ancestors were capable of this kind of construction 10,000 years ago. We thought that it was ancient Egypt, around about 6,000 to... 6,000 years ago, I think they reckon, ancient Egypt civilization started and they think that it reached its peak with the pyramids around about 4,500 years ago uh, I mean there's all kinds of compelling evidence that can test those dates now um, I mean that's a whole other thing that it's, 
something I'm, I'm deeply fascinated with. I mean, I, I can... There's this alternative history where there's certain... certain compelling evidence which suggests that the pyramids might be a lot older than we believe they are. And I've fell deep, deep down that rabbit hole. I can... I've, <laughs> I've put my hours in researching that and I could happily stand on a stage for an hour or two and just riff off the, the knowledge of gain, just, just talk about it. I mean, this is... But Gebekli Tepe was very interesting because there, there was some guys, uh, Robert Shock and, and John Anthony West in particular, who were arguing that the Sphinx was around ten to 12,000 years old and all these snooty mainstream Egyptologists were saying, how dare you say this? We know, we know for certain it's 4,500 years old. It was built by... Um, Khufu, the pharaoh Khufu, and uh, the evidence that they were putting against that was the weathering on the stone that the of the actual uh, quarry that the Sphinx was built out of. It showed deep, deep weathering, and it wasn't uh, from sand; it was from water. It was from thousands and thousands of years of heavy rainfall. And 4,500 years ago, the Egypt, or the, the site of the Sphinx, was as dry then as it is today. You have to go back as far as 10,000 years to see that kind of rainfall, to, to cause that kind of weathering. So that was the evidence that they were giving. But there's other stuff as well, but that was the main one. And they were just saying, like, we, we couldn't do this kind of technology back then. We couldn't... The, the, we weren't capable of doing it 10,000 years ago. We were all cavemen, we were hunter-gatherers, we were struggling to survive. It wasn't until around about 6,000 years ago when we discovered our, our agriculture and we could start growing our crops that we started getting uh, having free time where we could pursue different avenues of, of things like um, archaeology, for example. But they found this site, it was purposely buried 10,000 years ago. And that's that they found that through the, the organic materials that was in in with the uh, the burial stuff, you know, the trees and stuff like branches that have got in there. So they found that out there. And they, this uh, this site, this Gobekli Tepe, it's got these huge stone structures which are about uh, 12 metres tall, about 8 tonnes or so like that. It's bigger, bigger than Stonehenge and a lot older than Stonehenge. And they have this um, these carvings on them. They're, they're not exactly carvings. They're uh, when you shave the stone away to reveal a three D image. They call them reliefs. They've got reliefs all over the place of so these these beautiful reliefs of uh, of all kinds of creatures, like and men and uh, the um, they discovered this in like nineteen ninety seven, I believe. But they're still still uncovering it now. They've had a bit of a a hiccup when the the main guy who was overseeing the main archaeologist who was overseeing the excavation of Gobekli Tepe, he's he passed away recently. So I think some new people have come in now, and it's all changed. It's all changed. Um, but yeah, they were looking at the way this was set up. It was like some kind of gathering place for for people around about ten thousand years ago. And they, um, it's got all kinds of things going on with it now. This is saying now that 
the Tel Aviv University have published a new report on Gebekli Tepe site included in the UNESCO World Heritage List. The new fi- newest findings suggest that the Neolithic hunter-gatherers who built this huge monoliths 11,500 years ago had a greater knowledge of geometry and a much more complex social structure than previously thought and that complex planning techniques were used that were previously considered impossible at that time. Well, yeah, I mean, these things weigh eight tons. They're, uh, <laughs> they've been carved from rock and they've been hoisted. I'd like to think that people who can do that kind of stuff have a basic knowledge of math, to be perfectly honest with you. But the, um, the geology side of things here that they're talking about is just the way that the, the stone structures are, are set about. They're in a certain order. Um, Gebekli Tepe is considered the birthplace of early civilizations and attracts millions of local and foreign tourists each year. It, it's considered because it's the oldest site that we've got. Considered the birthplace of early civilizations. But it's the oldest oldest site that we've got from uh, from our past that's, that's survived to today. There's nothing that suggests that it was the birthplace of early civilizations. You know, for all we know, it could go back a couple of more thousand, hundred thousand years than that. I've not got a clue. Just because it's the oldest, oldest site that we've got, but... Oh, here we go. 1995 it was discovered. I thought it was 97. That's my mistake. And the, the T-shaped obelisks from the Neolithic era towering three to six metres. <laughs> I was way off saying it was eight metres. Three to six metres high and weighing 40 to 60 tonnes. I was way off there as well. <laughs> 40 to 60 tons you can't even imagine that's that's 40 to 60 small family cars can you imagine the math that has to go into that cutting these from the stone and, and raising them up and they weigh 40 to 60 cars you know it's 40 to 60 Renault Clio's or uh, Vauxhall Corsas that is bonkers and the thing that these people don't have a basic knowledge of math Come off it. Let's see what else we've got. I've got a few. I've got a few. You can see what my interests are here. This one, archaeologist. Oh, come on. Consent. I agree. You are. If you are not redirected, then click here. Da, 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 da. Click here. There we go. Archaeologists discover a remarkably intact ancient shipwreck. Ooh, that is quite cool. This is from Yahoo News, this. Um, obviously, this is audio only, so I can't really show you this, but uh, <laughs> I would search for Roman Empire shipwreck from the third... Uh, yeah, Roman Empire shipwreck, if you want to try and see this. it's uh, What you can see is um, half of a ship, the top half of... Uh, yeah, it looks like it's been snapped in two. But it's remarkably, like, well done. From, from the Roman Empire. That's like two to three thousand years old, then. The ship that I'm looking at, and it's... For that to still be around, that's incredible, because it should have... <clears throat> it should have decayed, surely. The ship was found in what's now the site of a massive open-pit coal mine. It's in the site of what was once the Roman city of the... Viminacium. Viminacium? I've never heard of that one. Da, 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 da. Excavator actually accidentally found the ship's timbers 
earlier this spring. Da, 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 da. Coronavirus restrictions <laughs> had to halt the uh, the work. Um, I'm trying to find out why it's still intact, why it's still around, because if it's that old, you know, 1700 year old boat, should, shouldn't that would have decayed? Why have they not answered that question? Why have I not got an answer to my question? Why hasn't that wood decayed? <laughs> Unearthed a shipwreck. The ship was found at such a site on an open pole of it. Settlement was home to 45,000 people. Excavator accidentally found the ship's timbers. Work had to hold temporarily because of coronavirus restrictions. About 19 metres in length, had a flat bottom, sail, six pairs of oars. 17,000 years old, one, go on, one day go on display at the museum outside Belgrade. Uh, yeah, you know what? Hold that thought, I'm going to Google how long does it take for wood to decay. Does it take for wood to decompose? 50 to 100 years. It takes wood 50 to 100 years to decompose. So why the hell is that boat still around from 1700 years ago? Was it in some kind of... what? That doesn't make sense. Out of everything from that article that I would have liked answered, I would have liked to have had answered why that boat's not decayed. Ah. <laughs> uh. Right, so I'll tell you what, this has been a long one. I've, uh, we're going to call it quits for today. Uh, hopefully you found that interesting. I've just kind of rambled about this piece of crap that I'm driving and uh, sorted through some of my Google Chrome open tabs. That was the whole point of those tabs originally. I was going to keep saving articles that I found interesting and, and start a podcast and and go through these articles and just talk about all these these things that I'm learning. And you know, we could learn together; it'd be great. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I still don't know what this podcast is going to be, to be honest with you. But uh, I'm getting more and more comfortable doing that. I don't know if that's coming across in the way that I'm speaking to you right now. It just um, just seems much more coherent what I'm actually saying, and I can get more of a, a thought together. So. It's like I said in the last one, though. You've got to go through a lot of crap before you get good. And uh, we're not half wading through the shit right now. <laughs> right. Well, on that note, thanks for listening, guys. Hopefully, I'm going to see you at the next one. Bye.